Sermon 45 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Moreover, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the mightiness of his power. Put on the complete harness of God, that he may stand out against the assaults of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the lords of the world, even the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against the spiritual wickednesses which are in the heavenly places. We know that prosperity doth so puff men up, as they bear themselves on hand, that they ought to be privileged, and their state exempted from the common array, and to be short, that they ought to do what they list on the contrary part the poorer sort which are despised and shaken off think that god hath as good as forgotten them and thereupon they cannot conceive that he hath any care of them therefore it is expedient that such as are so drunken with presumptuousness as they take over much upon them under colour that they be in credit and authority should have their courages abated and hear it told them that they have a master in heaven to punish them though they escape the hands of men. On the other side, it is requisite that they should be comforted, which are ready to quail, and should be tempted to fall into despair. And St. Paul showed them both here. For he telleth the servants they need not be afraid, but that God regardeth them. So they walk in his fear, and that he hath a care of them, and accepteth their service, as well as though they were in honourable state, and very great dignity to the worldward. And unto the masters, he saith, they have a superior in heaven, before whom they must yield their account, and that their greatness and highness will not go for payment. For all those things are nothing before God, because all things that bear a great gloss and countenance to the world do vanish away when they come before the sovereign judge. On the other side also here followeth that which is said in another text, namely, that they, which are faint-hearted, must be comforted, for else they might quail, because it would seem to them that God regardeth them not. I speak of such as are despised to the worldward. Therefore it must be told them that God hath not forgotten them, though it be his will to keep them low for a time. It behoveth every of us to apply this to his own use, according to the state that God shall have set us in. For when we be troubled wrongfully, when men make none account of us, when men shake us off, if we imagine that God hath given us over too, we cannot call upon him. And on the other side also, we cannot serve him with a free heart, because we think it is but labour lost and to no purpose. Therefore, when we be assailed with such temptation, let us call this lesson to remembrance, which is, that though we be now afflicted in this world, and men laugh us to scorn, and spit in our faces, and to be short, though we endure all the reproach that can be, yet we fail not for all that, to be in the safe keeping of our God, because he esteemeth us, and setteth store by us, and will in the end show that he doth so, insomuch that although we linger and pine away, and he withhold himself, as it were, hidden from us, 
And a man might deem, according to natural understanding, that we be, as you would say, raised out of his remembrance. Yet, nevertheless, after he hath held us under for a while, and tried our humility and obedience, we shall find that our walking faithfully and uncorruptly in his fear shall be admitted in our account in the end, and that we have not laboured for moonshine of the water, as they say. That is the thing in effect which we must bear in mind when the great personages of the world exalt themselves in their pride and are able to trample us under their feet. Howbeit, let all such as have superiority over others adduce themselves well and consider that God hath not given them the bridle without reserving his own right to himself, but that both great and small must be fain to appear before his judgment seat, and there will be no accepting of persons. Wherefore, let such as are rich, let such as are in authority, let such as have any advantage above their neighbours, remember well this saying, that there is no accepting of persons before God, but that, although that in this world one man goes before and another follows after, yet when the trumpet soundeth, so as we must all come before the great judge, then there shall be no more any such difference. And for the same cause are even kings and princes brought to that point, and to that consideration in the psalm where it is said, Ye be gods, and ye be children of the highest, which is because God hath ordained them to be as his lieutenants, and set them in high degree. True it is that this must stand in force for a time, but yet shall ye die as men, saith he, and as any one of the common people, and then shall ye be driven to know that ye were but mortal men. For all these great and gay shows shall then be laid a water. And of a truth, the setting down of the word person ought to put us well in mind that they be but temporal things, and that we cannot bring any of them with us before God, as though they were our own. True it is that in our common speech we take the word person in another sense, for we call a man or a woman a person. But when the scripture speaks of it, it meaneth all things that are without us, as riches, states, officers, nobility, great birth, and all things that men possess in this world, and whereof they may also be bereft. Therefore, when it is said that there is no accepting of persons before God, it is as much to say, as he will judge us simply as mortal men, and as brittle and frail creatures, and that we cannot shield ourselves with one thing or another, insomuch that the richest cannot bring their treasures, lands, and possessions with them, to advance themselves with them above others. They that have been in any great dignity shall not say, How so? Every man trembled under me. Such gear shall be nothing worth afore God. All the greatness and all the authority of the world will serve to no purpose, but every man shall be taken as a child of Adam. So then, let such as have any occasion to exalt themselves bear well in mind that all the things which have any gloriousness to the worldward, and are esteemed and had in reputation, shall fade away like smoke, and be consumed to nothing, when we come to be judged of our God." And therefore let all men, both great and small, live in humbleness and trust. And that is the cause why St. James saith, Let him that is small glory in his highness. Why so? 
because God hath adopted us to his children, and although we be but poor earthworms, and even men themselves account us as filth and dung, yet hath God vouchsafed to print his mark in us, that we might be known to be his children, and that he hath given us leave to call upon him as our father with full mouth. Therefore we have just cause to glory, notwithstanding that we be of low degree. For we have a highness whereby God exalteth us above all the world. And on the contrary part, St. James saith, that he which is great must glory in his lowness. For whereas the unbelievers are so bewitched with pride that they despise God, and, as I said afore, do bear themselves on hand, that they be exempted from all law, and that their state is set alone by itself from all the rest of the world, the believers must understand that all the dignity and excellency in the world serveth but for a time, and passeth away, and that when we come before God, we shall have neither one thing nor other to clothe ourselves withal. To be short, the things which the scripture calleth persons are as apparels and clothings. Let us take this similitude. If he that is richly apparelled think to scape from God, under colour that he gazeth at his own gay feathers, and that the world wondereth to behold him, he deceiveth himself very much. For all those things must be laid aside when God calleth us to judgment. Again, the poor folk that scarcely have wherewith to cover half their body, yea, and that but with a few rags and torn clothes, must not think themselves the less esteemed of God for all that. For there shall be no more persons, that is to say, there shall be neither riches nor poverty, honour nor baseness, we must all appear as we be, that is to say, mortal men and children of Adam. That is it, in effect, which we have to gather upon that lesson. After St. Paul hath showed every man's duty particularly, now he returneth again to general doctrine. For, as I said afore, there is one rule common to all men without exception, which is the same that is contained in God's law, namely that we should lead a holy life, giving ourselves over unto his service, and also love one another, living chastely and soberly, in all mildness and honesty. This is common. But it is said afterward that every man must have an eye to his own calling, as the husband hath a special duty towards his wife, and the wife towards her husband, as we have seen heretofore. For St. Paul hath laid forth all those things. Now he attempereth his talk to all men, saying, Moreover, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Wherein he showeth that we cannot give ourselves to the serving of God without hardness, but must take pains to prepare ourselves thereto. True it is that if we were whole and sound, and that our nature were uncorrupted, it would never dare us to live according to God's commandment. Nay, rather, it would be our own pleasure, accordingly as the faithful do feel by experience, when God hath touched them to the quick. And for that cause also doth our Lord Jesus Christ say, that his yoke is neither hard nor rough, nor his burden heavy. As if he should say that he desireth nothing but to guide us by all gentle and loving means. But if we consider what we be, that is to say, how unable we are to be firm and constant, and to hold out in the way which God showeth us, surely we shall well see how it is not without cause that St. Paul exhorteth us here to be strong. As if he should say, 
I have exhorted you hitherto to do your duties, but I know well that every of you shall find such stubbornness in himself, as he shall not be able to overcome his wicked lusts but by fighting manfully. And though you be weak, yet think not that that ought to serve for excuse. When your passions on the one side are stubborn and rebellious against God, and yourselves on the other side are frail, think not that that shall quit you before God, for ye shall be condemned in your sins nevertheless. What is to be done then? Be ye strong in the Lord, saith he. That is to say, whereas most men do welter in their sins, and think themselves discharged because their thoughts and affections are so rebellious against the righteousness of God, you, knowing all the same miseries, must mislike of yourselves for them, and seek the remedy of them. And what is that? Strengthen yourselves, that is to say, we must enforce ourselves. As if he should say, it is a hard thing to walk aright, for we shall have as many impediments as may be. The devil will not cease to seek all means possible to thrust us out of the way, and we shall have store of oppressions and vexations, for he hath slights now, and to many, and besides that he assaileth us now after one manner, and now after another, and we have not wherewith to resist him. Therefore it behoveth us to get strength to us. Howbeit, he saith, in the Lord, lest men should imagine themselves able to furnish out the matter with their own free will, and with their own cunning. Therefore be ye strong in the Lord, saith he, yea, and in the mightiness of his power. When he doeth us to wit that God will utter such power, as we shall not need to doubt of victory against all that the devil can practice, so we be not reckless, nor fall asleep. Wherefore let us call upon God, that he may help us, and succour us at our need. So then, let these two things go together with us, that is to wit, first wakefulness, and such care as the faithful should have to strengthen themselves, and on the other side, hearty desirousness to call upon God. And this is a text well worthy to be marked, as which containeth a great matter in few words. For first we see that we must not be slothful if we covet to rule our life according to God's will, but forasmuch as every man beareth with himself, and we desire nothing but to shake of all care, and to cast the things at our backs, as they say, which might trouble us, to the end we be not so nice. We must mark, first of all, that if we will serve God, we must enforce ourselves, and that is as much to say as we must fight against the devil. For, as I said afore, he is not idle, neither will he suffer any of us to do our duty with such ease, as though we did but walk up and down in some foyer place, but he will set thorns and cast logs in our ways to stop us. Again he will give such girds at us, as shall be enough to overthrow us a hundred times, before we can step one pace, unless God aid us. Again he will give such girds at us, as shall be enough to overthrow us a hundred times, before we can step one pace, unless God aid us. For as much, therefore, as we cannot walk in the fear of God without fighting, we ought to bear St. Paul's warning in mind. Furthermore, he intendeth also to make us perceive his own weakness. For we know that men do bear much with themselves, and seek nothing but to welter in their pleasures. Also, there are which presume upon their own strength, and bear themselves on hand, that they be able to work wonders, as though they were as stout as could be required. 
And this cursed persuasion hath deceived wretched men in all ages, and by that means hath free will trotted in every man's mouth. But St. Paul telleth us here that we have need to be strengthened, which saying importeth that we be weak by nature. And afterward he expresseth himself yet better in saying that it is in the Lord that we must be strong, and that he hath all power in him to give thereof unto us as much as needeth. Then if we enterprise anything without calling upon him, we shall be punished for our rashness and pride. St. Paul therefore showeth us that men cast themselves into decay by their overweening, in imagining themselves to have that which they have not, which conceit turneth them away from calling upon God. Now it might be said here that it is a superfluous exhortation to bid us be strong in the Lord, for no man is able to uphold himself. That lieth not in anybody's power to do. No, but yet for all that we feel by effect that God worketh in such wise in us that we do the same things that he doeth. But yet must that working needs be amiable to us. If a man have lived holily, so as he may have been as a mirror of holiness and of all virtue, it may well be said he hath done this or that. And indeed, we be not as timber logs, and therefore we do good. Yea, but yet we must understand that this working cometh from elsewhere than of ourselves, and there lieth the knot of the case. Then, if it be demanded, whether men can do good or no, yea, but not of themselves, nor of their own self-moving, or of their own kind, but only because they be guided by the Holy Ghost. If it be demanded whether men can do evil, Yea, they be given wholly to it. It is their common bias. So then, men do evil of themselves, and the root of it remaineth in them, and the blame of it is rightly imputed unto them. And they must not fetch windlasses above nor beneath to find trifling shifts. Whosoever hath done evil shall abide always in his condemnation. But let us consider well that God worketh in us when we do good, and the praise thereof ought of right to be given to him. Howbeit, although there be nothing in us, nor on our side, when we serve God, yet notwithstanding, St. Paul exhorteth us not in vain in saying that we must be strengthened in God. For we must not be lazy, as he speaketh of it in another place, where he saith, Work your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God that giveth both will and the ability to perform it, and all according to his good pleasure freely and of his own mercy." This saying seemeth strange at the first blush, when St. Paul willeth us to work our salvation. For is that in us? No, but he correcteth that which might be conceived through presumption and overweening, by saying that it must be done with trembling, and that we must walk in fear, that is to say, we must distrust ourselves, yea, and be utterly abashed, assuring ourselves that we cannot stir one of our little fingers, know nor think one good thought, as he saith in another place, except God give it us from above. And afterward, which confirmeth this matter yet better, he addeth for a conclusion, that God giveth both the will and the performance of the will. Then is it God that doeth all, and yet cease not we to do also, yea, but that is by him and of him, as I have declared already. To be short, the Holy Scripture saith, not that God doth renew us, 
and that when we be begotten again by his Holy Spirit, we begin to have a good mind and to be well inclined to the intent we should be slothful and idle, but to the intent that God should be glorified, and we not imagine ourselves to be the workers of our own salvation, but yield him the honour of all the good that he hath put into us. Howsoever the world go, yet must we be watchful, that is to say, we must keep good watch against the devil, and endeavour to give ourselves to goodness, so as every of us enforce ourselves, for we must imprison our own wit and wicked will to make them obedient to God, but yet must all be acknowledged to be of him. His adding of these words, of the mighty power of God, is to make us overcome all distrust, for we see we be given to be out of heart, insomuch that if we cannot compass the things as we would, which he commandeth us, we conclude that in the end we must needs quail. But contrariwise, St. Paul saith that God will utter a mighty and victorious power, according as it is said, that he which is on our side is stronger than all the world. Seeing then that God taketh our part, and upholdeth us with his power, let us not fear to be surprised by Satan, and all that ever he can devise against us, but that whatsoever distresses betide us, in the end we shall overcome all, even by resting upon God's invincible power. And of a truth God perfecteth his power in our weakness, that is to say, he worketh not in such wise, but that in the meanwhile we go limping and are plucked back and stumble, and step many a pace awry, and now and then start out of the way. Ye see then that our Lord's assisting of us with his Holy Spirit is in such wise as he holdeth us still in awe to give us occasion to humble ourselves. Our weakness, therefore, is mingled with the strength of God's assistance, and that is to the end we should know what need we have to call upon him and to flee to him for refuge. For we be ready enough of ourselves to darken God's glory, and therefore God is fain to waken us, and to say unto us, wretched creatures, should ye not be forlorn a hundred thousand times, if I held ye not by the hand? Now then, our Lord's leaning of infirmities in us is to draw us to him, and to subdue us to meekness, that we may have matter to praise him for, in that he suffereth not our falls to be deadly, and again, that we should seek him every minute of an hour, knowing that if he helped us not up again, and held us on our feet, we should perish without any mercy. That then is the cause why, that under Paul's former saying, we must also join this sentence, that God doth indeed leave some weakness in us as long as we live in this world, but yet ceaseth not to utter his invincible power in making us to get the upper hand, and that we must dwell upon this conclusion, that when Satan hath wrought the uttermost that he can, yet must we march on nevertheless, and keep our way to our journey's end. And why? For it is not only said that God will humble us, and that he will have pity upon us, but also that his power shall show itself in succouring us, and that not with a single and common operation, but with a mighty power, that is to say, with a power that shall overcome all the lets of the world. Now then, we see what diversity there is between the doctrine of the papists and the doctrine that we follow, which is grounded upon the Holy Scripture. For these blind wretches say they can work wonders by their free will. Indeed, they will give some little snippet unto God, saying that he supplieth their wants, because they be inclined to evil and to vice. But that they be restrained by him, 
God, therefore, is as a pretty fellow to help them at a dead lift. But in the meanwhile, it is their own free will and their natural power that bears all the sway. But when they have made the uttermost of their own strength, yet do men dwell always in doubt. And if they happen to hold their own one hour, by and by they stumble and can never get up again. But contrarywise, we hold opinion that man must be utterly beaten down, as we be taught in the Holy Ghost. So as we may not have one drop of power resident in ourselves, but be utterly emptied. Are we once at that point? Our Lord showeth us the remedy. If we repay to him, and acknowledge our wants, and be ready to beg, so as we have our mouths open, and be not puffed up with mind, but rather utterly empty, then doth our Lord assure us that he will not fail us, and we shall have whereof to presume, howbeit not after the manner of the papists who make their brags, and afterward come short of their reckoning, and are put to utter shame. On our part, when we have acknowledged that nothing we be, nor nothing can do, we resort unto God, to glory against Satan, and against all the assaults that he giveth upon us, and against all the munitions of hell, and against all the impediments and temptations of the world. Thus you see how we ought to put this lesson of St. Paul's in your. After he hath spoken so of the mighty power of God, he now addeth, that we must arm ourselves with his complete harness. As if he should say, that it is long of none but ourselves, that we be not well armed and weaponed to overcome all Satan's assaults, and that our own negligence is the cause that we be so often vanquished and foiled. And why? For God not only promiseth to succour us by his power, and that in such measure as we shall get the upper hand, but also putteth means into our hands, and armeth us. And yet notwithstanding we hang up our armour upon the wall, and is it any marvel if we be taken unawares, or be unable to resist at the pinch, when we hold scorn to use the means that God offereth us, and are so near our hand? Now, what is this armour? St. Paul will show it in due place, as now let it suffice us to know his intent. Then, whereas it is said that we must be armed with God's complete harness, it is to rebuke and quicken up our recklessness in letting the things alone which he offereth us. Indeed, we will like well if a man tell us that God is ready and forward to succour us, and that we need not to doubt of victory against all our enemies, so long as he is on our side. We accept this gear willingly, but in the meanwhile we be contented to sit still, and it is not for us to encounter our enemy, for he is far too strong for us. But yet must we in this case encounter hand to hand, and we would that God's armour should lie still and be prepared for us without using of them. For this cause are we commanded to put them on, that is to say, to apply them to our use. Since our state is such as we must maintain battle, and it pleaseth God that we should be so armed, and that the devil should not come upon us unprovided. And St. Paul not only useth the word armour or harness, but also addeth all the furniture, as if he should say, We must be armed from top to toe, and that shall be set forth particularly yet better hereafter. Howbeit his meaning in this text is that our unthankfulness is known so much the more, in that God armeth us at all points, so as nothing is missing, except the fault be in ourselves. Indeed, we will not stick to put on some part of the armour that God giveth us, 
Howbeit, it is but as if one man should clap his morion for a countenance, and take another target, nor corslet, nor anything else, and another catch up his sword, and the third his halberd, and in the meanwhile every of them want many other things that they should have need of. So we, perhaps, apply some part of God's armour to our use, that is to say, we will not utterly reject or refuse all the grace that he offereth us. But there is none of us all that armeth himself as he should do, that is to say, which is fenced with all the virtues that God giveth him. For it is certain that, both from the right hand and from the left, from above and from beneath, God ordaineth means for us to fight with all, which are sufficient, so we despise them not, but upon knowledge of our want receive the things which he giveth us so liberally. And to the intent we should be the more provoked to arm ourselves and to receive the helps that God giveth us, St. Paul addeth, that ye may withstand all the assaults of the devil. Here he confirmeth the matter that I spake of afore, that is to wit, that we cannot serve God at our own ease, as though there were nothing to let us. As a man may go to his work all day long, and go forward quietly because he is not distroubled. But it is not so in the obedience which the faithful should yield to their God. And why? The devil ceaseth not to trouble them, and to work them a thousand spites and encumbrances. Therefore, if we desire to walk in the fear of our God, we must be armed, that we may be ready to battle, for our enemy will never let us rest. And for that cause St. Paul setteth down many assaults of Satan, as if he should say, Satan's assailing of us to bring us to wickedness is not for once or twice and away, but he maintaineth a continual battle, and when he hath given us one alarm on the one side, he comes about again on the other, insomuch that besides our own enforcing and strengthening of ourselves, we have need of armour to repulse our enemy, on which side soever he assail us. And again he amplifieth it yet better, saying that our fighting is not only against flesh and blood, but also against the powers and principalities of the air, against the lords of the world, and against wicked spirits which fight from heaven against us. Commonly, when we have to do with an enemy that is not greatly able to annoy us, so as we fear not that he can do us any harm, we despise him, and that is oftentimes a cause that such as ye would esteem to be the valiantest in the world to come short home. And why? Because they despised their enemy. But St. Paul telleth us we have to do with another manner of whites than mortal men, and yet we fear them not. If a man hate us, although he be not of any great ability, yet have we a flea in our ear, as they say, and we think it wisdom to prevent the things that our enemy can practice against us. But specially if our enemies be mighty and strong, and we unable to stand against them, and to repulse them, then are we as much amazed as may be, and yet they be but mortal men as we be. Howbeit, St. Paul tells us, we have not to fight against mortal men, but against enemies that do far past them. And for that cause doth he call them powers and principalities, giving them authority, as though they had the overhand of us already. If we were to fight with an enemy that were over our head, it would trouble us cursedly. Now such are the devils. They have the advantage of us, for they be named even kings of this world, and besides that, they have a thousand wiles and policies. Therefore it is said that they not only assail us with force, but also lay so many stales and ambushes to entrap us, as we could not escape them if we stood not upon our guard. 
Here it standeth us on hand to be thoroughly waked, though we were not only asleep, but also as it were in a swoon. Yet notwithstanding this warning doth little boat us, for we see how cold we be in buskling ourselves to the battle. St. Peter telleth us the like, though he use not the same words, for in saying that the devil is as a roaring lion going about and seeking some prey to devour, so as he will swallow us up out of hand, if we be not waking, he showeth us that it is not for us to be reckless and out of fear, but rather to stick well to our talking. Not that we should be afraid out of measure, for the intent of St. Peter and St. Paul in setting forth the devil's force is not to discomfort us and dismay us, that we should conclude with ourselves, how shall we then do? We be quite past hope of recovery. No, St. Peter addeth, withstand him being strong in faith. And St. Paul saith also unto us, the devil is strong and mighty, but yet God surmounteth him. And if ye be armed with his power, fear not, but ye shall far overcome Satan and all his assaults, and in the end get the upper hand of him. So then, the thing that we have to bear in mind is that as oft as we perceive the lets that hinder our walking where God calleth us, and our holding out as were requisite, we must acknowledge our own infirmity and condemn all the foolish overweening of popery as their free will, their works of preparation, and all things which they imagine themselves to bring unto God. Let all such stuff vanish away. And when we have acknowledged that we can do nothing at all of ourselves, then let us on the other side consider who is our enemy and be afraid, not as men in a maze to sink in our own wretchedness, but that the same may the better waken us and drive us to seek succour at God's hand by prayer and supplication, and to embrace his promises with faith, which shall get the upper hand of all the world. And therewithal let us not doubt, but that God will always have the upper hand of Satan, and of all his practices. For he hath promised to use an infinite power, whensoever the case concerning the succouring of us. Ye see, then, that we must walk in fear and weariness. But why? Because we be besieged with many enemies, and yet are destitute of all goodness, and given to all evil. Then standeth it us on hand to distrust our strength and to mourn and to be quickened up with fear because of our enemies, which might so devour us at the first chop with one grain of salt, as men say, as we should be utterly undone. But not only once, but a hundred thousand times should we be overwhelmed by the power of the devil, if our Lord upheld us not. But howsoever we fare, let us march on with our heads upright, presuming upon the help that is promised us from above, and we shall feel it in such wise as we shall continue unvanquishable. And although we always hang our wings and endure hot skirmishes, so as erewhiles we feel stinking heart-gripes, as indeed God will perform his strength in our weakness, yet howsoever we fare, let us not doubt, but all shall turn to our benefit." and that even our troubles shall be a means to make us modest, and serve us for spurs to prick us forward to call upon God, and moreover move us to yield him thanks and honour when we see he hath granted us the grace to overcome our enemy, so as we shall every minute acknowledge the goodness that we have received at his hand. Thus the way for us to order our life well is first to know God, and afterward to understand that we be beholden to him for all the goodness and good things that we have, and therefore not be cold and lazy, but enforce ourselves every man to glorify him, 
in such wise as we walk continually in his fear. Now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God with acknowledgement of our faults, praying to him to make us perceive them better than we have done, and that our so doing may cause us to resort to him, that we may not only obtain forgiveness of our faults past, but also be so strengthened as we may order our whole life according to his holy commandments, even according to the measure of grace that he hath given us, until he have taken us out of this world, and rid us of all the vices and spots wherewith we be stained as now. And so let us say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, etc. End of Sermon 45